Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, I just want to thank you guys after being away for a couple months. It was so good to hear from so many of you through texts and messages, as well as the kind reviews and ratings that you left on iTunes. I really appreciate all of you guys. It was just a crazy couple months here in the Ashman household, and I couldn't get it all done, but I am thrilled to be sitting here in front of the microphone chatting with all of you again after a couple months off. Well, this is our fifth Christmas season back here in the United States after so many years overseas. You might know that my family lived in Japan and the Czech Republic for almost 15 years, and that's where my kids were born. And that's where we raise them. And I have to say that our Christmas seasons over there were just a lot slower and a lot simpler than I'm finding our Christmas seasons here in the United States to be. There were just fewer opportunities there. There was less to buy, less marketing, less in your face, less pressure to sort of go to parties or have parties or do different traditions. Things were just a lot slower. And I'm finding myself now on my fifth Christmas back in the US really succumbing to the temptation of feeling like I need to do it all and have it all and be all of it during this Christmas season. So the other day I was just cracking up because I bought a doormat for Christmas. I'd wanted one for a couple of years, finally splurged, spent the 13 bucks and bought a doormat for Christmas. And it's got that cute classic red pickup truck on it with the Christmas tree in the back and it's adorable. But as I went to go lay it down in front of my house, I just had a laugh and go like, what in the world does this have to do with the birth of my savior? It's so weird to me that I'm putting this truck and tree in front of my house to commemorate the birth of Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus came. And so I've got this doormat in front of my house. So I don't know if you're like me, but I have just been really scratching my head, really pondering, really reflecting, like, how did we get here? What is Christmas all about? Especially Christmas here in the United States. What brought us to this moment in 2019 when we have so many different traditions and ideas of what needs to happen this season when really we want to be commemorating the birth of Christ? And so that's what this episode of All Things is all about. We're going to talk a little bit about history, where Christmas came from, especially traditions here in the United States, as well as just that pressure that I am going to guess you're feeling, I'm definitely feeling, to do it all and be it all during this Christmas season. And then what we as Christians who really do want to worship our newborn King, what that might look like in this season. So history first. So I did some reading up and I learned that during the first couple centuries after Jesus was born and died, the birth of martyrs, the birthday of martyrs or of Christian figures really was not recognized. It wasn't the birthdays that were commemorated. It was the days that they died. So Jesus's actual birth date wasn't necessarily recognized as important and it wasn't written down. So it's not December 25th. We're pretty sure that he was not born on December 25th, but it's the day that we recognize his birth. Some historians say that December 25th might've been chosen by the early church to Christianize the Roman holiday of the winter solstice. So Roman pagan celebrated the winter solstice. In a sense, they were casting away winter and cold and dark and wanting to welcome in spring and summer and light and warmth. So they say maybe Christians adopted that day to Christianize it. But that possible history is a bit tricky because we know that the early church really sought to distance itself from pagans, that the early Christians saw themselves as exiles separate other than the early church. So we don't know about that history. Some historians say that maybe in the early earlier centuries, Christians reasoned that creation probably happened on the spring equinox. That the, that's what they say, that God brought forth creation at the end of March around the spring equinox. So they reasoned that maybe that is when Jesus was put into the womb of Mary, 
around the same time, late March, around the spring equinox. And then it would stand to reason that nine months later, he would be born. So late December. And so maybe that's why the early church chose December 25th as the day to commemorate the birth of Jesus. Christmas wasn't actually really celebrated as a Christian holiday until the 800s in Europe. Christmas, the word itself, means Christ Mass or a worship service, a mass dedicated to worshiping Jesus. So really, we don't know a ton. That's kind of what we know about the origin and the date and the name of Christmas. But we know we sure do, here in the U.S. especially, and in Europe, we have a ton of other traditions, right? So where did these traditions come from? Well, for example, the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree was a Roman pagan symbol of life in the midst of winter. So it being evergreen, the evergreen was seen as life in the midst of winter. So the Romans would decorate their houses with evergreen branches during this time of year. And the ancient inhabitants of Northern Europe, they would cut down evergreen trees and cut down evergreen boughs and put them in their home as symbols of life in the midst of winter. So the early Christians were sort of hostile towards this practice. The early Christians wouldn't do that. But then we see over centuries of time, missionaries to Europe, where they saw this Roman pagan tradition being carried out, they were more lenient with it. They were sort of recognize that these, these these evergreen boughs, these evergreen trees, all things have been redeemed by Christ. He's Lord over all things. So it's okay for us to enjoy these symbols. It's okay for us to have these evergreen boughs, these things around us, as long as we're not worshiping the pagan gods, as long as we're still worshiping the Lord, it's okay for us to have these symbols amongst us. Christmas trees started popping up more in the Middle Ages. So Middle Age Christians, Christians of the Middle Ages, I should say, they began to link the nativity, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus to the creation story. And the evergreen tree then would be, they would they were like the trees in paradise or the garden of Eden. And they began to decorate evergreen trees with fruit as a symbol of the nativity. Well, by the Renaissance, Christmas trees were being used more and more as symbols of Jesus's birth. And then the custom really gained popularity in the 17th and 18th centuries, even though some uh, clergy, some Christian leaders protested against that. They still, still t- kind of gained popularity. So there's this other um, tradition, this other symbol that was sort of joined with the Christmas tree during that time. It's that Christians would um, build these wooden pyramids in their homes that would hold candles for each member of the family. So it's like this triangle wooden pyramid in their homes, a candle for each family member. Well, that would often be next to the tree. And so these two symbols sort of merged, giving way to our modern Christmas tree that is decorated then with lights. Even though the Christmas tree and Christmas lights became more prominent around the time of Martin Luther, so that's in the 1500s, there's so many myths circulating about Martin Luther and the Christmas tree and lights on the Christmas tree. None of them are founded in historicity. They're just not valid historical um, accounts, but Martin Luther nonetheless is linked up to the Christmas tree quite a bit because trees were so popular in Germany and in Holland. And so German and Dutch immigrants brought the custom of the Christmas trees with them to the United States in the early 1800s. And then the Christmas tree tradition really spread widely in Europe and in the United States when the Queen of England, Victoria, and her husband, Albert, set up a Christmas tree in Windsor Castle in 1841. So really, that's how we got the Christmas tree. There's these Roman roots with it, and then these this medieval linkage of the tree to the birth of Christ, and then that grew through the Renaissance, and it became a German tradition and moved on over here to the United States in the 1800s. So that's the tree. Well, of course, gift giving is another really 
popular, commonly held tradition that we have here in the United States. There's that pressure of gift giving. I'm sure your list is as long as mine, but it may be originated with St. Nicholas, the Bishop of Myra, which is modern day Turkey. So the Bishop of Myra, St. Nick, he was known for giving gifts to poor children. And the day that he is commemorated, the day that you feast in honor of St. Nick is December 6th. And so December 6th then, especially in Europe, is another important occasion for gift giving. And when we lived in the Czech Republic, it certainly was for us. And for example, we still celebrate December 6th here in our household. That's in, in Czech. Then his name is Mikulash. And so Czech kids and kids in Austria and Germany, other places in Europe, they set their boots outside their front door. And then St. Nick supposedly comes and puts gifts in their boots and they wake up on December 6th and get these gifts. So my kids will do that tomorrow. I'll put some gifts in their boots and we'll, we'll recognize Mikulash Day just for fun, just for fun. Um, so there, that's another um, tradition that is celebrated. You know, when my kids lived in the Czech Republic, we saw what's happening probably even now as I record this, St. Nick or Mikulash would walk the villages or walk the schools or walk the towns on the night of December 5th. And with him would be an angel on the right side and a devil on the left side. And so the angel was uh, dressed in sweet costume and the devil in super scary costume. And Mikulash had this big book with him and he would go through the village and he would look up the kids' names. And if they were on the good list, they would get treats from the angel. If they were on the bad list, then they would get potatoes or coal or even be taken away by the devil. So this was a holiday that totally traumatized my kids. So children across Europe are being totally freaked out right now by St. Nick and his angel and devil, but it's kind of an interesting tradition. So the image then of happy families exchanging gifts all around the Christmas tree, that kind of came to pass in about the 1800s. So in the 1600s and 1700s, interestingly, Christmas was like a rowdy, secular, drunken holiday. Prior to the 1800s, Christmas was like a very alcohol-related. You've heard of wassail, so there would be all this wassail drinking and decking the halls and people would get drunk and just carouse out on the streets. And um, Christmas was seen as just secular and even sacrilege. So the Puritans, when they came to the United States, they banned Christmas. They said it's sacrilegious, it's even satanical. And if you observe Christmas, you're going to be fined. So that Puritan influence here in the United States caused Christmas to be like any other day, really. The U.S. Congress met on Christmas Day. Schools were in session on Christmas Day. Really, Christmas did not become a holiday. The first state to declare it a legal holiday was Alabama, and that was not until 1836. Around this time, 1822, is when the poet Clement Moore wrote "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." So that's where we get more of our imagery of St. Nick and gift-giving and Christmas being more of like a family holiday with the kids and the parents, and our, our image of St. Nicholas sort of evolved through that particular poem. Um, there's also the Christian feast of observing Jesus's birth. So the feast of the nativity. And because that was around the time of the feast for St. Nicholas, as well as, you know, these other traditions surrounding winter, things started to just sort of evolve and morph and roll up into one holiday or one season anyway. And then when Queen Victoria and Albert showed people that Christmas is really this family holiday where you have a family tree and family gifts, it really took hold there in Europe and in the United States. And then of course, Charles Dickens published a Christmas carol, which really is not about Jesus at all, but it's it sort of centered the holiday on being generous and being a gift giver. And then what kind of sealed the deal for 
Christmas in the United States was the Coca-Cola company starting in 1931 created an illustration of Santa every year. From 1931 to 1964, the Coca-Cola company had a new picture of Santa Claus. And that's where he became dressed in red, no longer in the bishop, the white bishop outfit with the big hat. Now he's this jolly, large, round old man with red cheeks and wearing red and white, just like the brand for Coca-Cola. So Coca-Cola has a lot to do with how we view St. Nicholas or Santa Claus now. So really looking back, what I was struck by is Christmas has always kind of been two separate holidays. There's been this Roman pagan celebration of the winter solstice and wanting to push back the darkness and the cold and the the trees, the evergreen trees were the Roman tradition, but then the trees really kind of morphed into this nativity symbol as well, this Christian symbol of Jesus's birth. And then we've got these gifts and this gift giving associated with St. Nick, but that sort of got swept up into the feast of the nativity because his feast day and the nativity feast day were so close to each other. And even though Christmas in the 1617 and 1800s was really secular and a time that centered around drinking and just being rowdy in the streets, it was redeemed and sort of brought to this more warm idea by the German and Dutch immigrants who brought it to the United States. And then the Queen's example, of course, and um, there was a sort of like a societal pushback on a worldly holiday and wanting to make it more family oriented, more warm, more wholesome. And it slowly evolved in that way over time. So bottom line, it's no wonder our holiday is so full of inconsistencies and confusion. No wonder I've got a nativity in the middle of my house along with this doormat with a truck and a tree on it. It's no wonder there's so many different, you know, I've got the, a Christmas tree, but we're also definitely focusing our days on the Advent on Advent, and wanting to remember the birth of Jesus. So these inconsistencies and this confusion, they've always been with us. But what is definitely with us now and what has been with me certainly in my life as a mom um, and for, I think, for the last several decades here in the United States is that we just have so many tightly held traditions and highly held expectations that we just have this drive from you know Thanksgiving on even before Thanksgiving where we feel like we have to have a Pinterest perfect home and tree and dinner table and gifts. And we just feel, especially as parents, this pressure to deliver our kids. Um, a magical holiday. You know, we've got the elf on the shelf and Santa Claus and Christmas cookies and gingerbread houses. And we feel like everybody has to have matching pajamas for some reason and a brand new apron. And we want to make sure we see all the Christmas movies and that there's a hot chocolate bar at all times in the kitchen and that there's good stories being read by the tree every night. And of course, then we've got Christian traditions too, right? There's the advent calendar that we've got to have and advent stories and maybe the Jesse tree, you're doing that. And there's advent books and maybe you've made a calendar of like 25 good deeds so you can do a good deed every day of Christmas or 25 different crafts to help center your heart on Christ. There's school plays and Christmas plays and choir concerts. There's just so much going on that we all feel like we need to do during December to make it a really happy, wonderful holiday. We're all we all have this drive in us because movies tell us it's possible. Christmas cards tell us it's possible. Instagram tells us it's possible. Our flesh says it's possible. Our flesh cries out. We cry out because we want restoration. We have heartfelt and soul deep needs. We do so long. It's the human condition to long for perfection, to long for things to be just 
right. So we think they can be, and we want to do all that we can to ensure that we deliver the picture perfect holiday. There's things going on in our lives. Maybe there's brokenness in our families or trauma, or there maybe is past history of abuse or our current relationships aren't doing well. Our marriage isn't doing well. Our relationship with our parents or with our children or our neighbors or our in-laws, or maybe our career isn't delivering what we thought it would. Our life goals just aren't being met. There's just this disillusionment. And so we pack so much into December in hopes of delivering ourselves from that. We think, well, if I can just make this holiday magical, if I can just conjure up perfection around the holidays, then things will be better. We all know that all is not right in the world. We all are looking for some redemption, for some restoration. We all want a hero or something or someone to make everything better. And so during the holiday season, you and I go into overdrive and we work really hard to fill those deep holes in our hearts ourselves. And of course, you know that depression tends to increase over the holidays, certainly anxiety and discouragement and disillusionment. It all really um, skyrockets during the holidays. There's all this stress. It's financial. It's on our schedules. It's on our relationships. It's on our expectations. We're just really stressed out and discouraged and anxious during the holidays. And if you're a parent, I think you probably feel this twofold or threefold or fourfold. These things though that we do, this drive that we have, the all these the effort and the hours and the things and the money that we do to make everything picture perfect Ironically, the crazy truth is at the end of the day, all those things make us feel emptier because we tried so hard and then they didn't deliver. We work so hard, we pour ourselves out, but then they don't meet the expectations that we place on them because what you and I really need What we actually need is a true deliverer. We cannot deliver ourselves. We cannot bring about the perfection and the restoration that we so badly need. We won't make it happen no matter how good the gingerbread house is, no matter how amazing the cookies are, no matter how cute the matching PJs are, we just will not fill those holes in our hearts. We just will not make everything better with our own strength. It is true that all is not right in the world. It is true that we live in a broken world with hurting people. It's true that out there, there's all kinds of violence and and victims of unkindness. We know there's exploitation and manipulation, but you and I know we actually aren't guilt-free. It's in here too, right? It's not just outside our houses. It's in here. If we are honest, we know those sins are inside of us as well. We hurt others. We exploit others. We manipulate others. We are selfish. My husband often says, "You're if you're honest with yourself, you're the worst sinner that you really know because you know what's really going on in your heart. And so in the darkness of December, we have the opportunity to reflect on that. We have the opportunity to remember, you know what? This world is broken. You know what? This world is dark. There is so much sin and pain and hurting out there, but it's also in here. And may that realization, may that remembrance of all that is broken and all that is dark, may that drive us to long for and celebrate the first coming of Christ as well as the second coming of Christ. It's a chance for you and I in these darkest of days to reflect on Emmanuel, God with us. It's a chance for us to remember that he came. And not only that, he's coming again. This is a season where we can do two things. We can at once embrace and understand and acknowledge the brokenness of our world 
but also embrace and acknowledge and celebrate that we have a savior. We have a deliverer. This is the paradox of the Christian life. This is that already not yet. It's that, yes, there is sin and brokenness, but we have a redeemer and he already came. Jesus condescended himself. He left his throne in heaven and he walked this earth. He put on the flesh that you and I wear and he died a sinless, perfect death to bear the punishment that you and I deserve. But that's not it. Then he was, he rose again. He was resurrected. He conquered death. He conquered the grave and he lives. He ascended and he's even now at the right hand of the father and he will come back. He will come back. He has already been here, but he has not yet come again. And that's really what Christmas in this moment of our sort of our global history, that's what Christmas in this moment is. It's that paradox of he already came, but he's not yet back again. So yes, the world is hurting. Yes, my heart is broken. Yes, my heart is full of sin and filth and I need a savior. And he came and I trust him and he is coming back. That is the truth and the depth of the Christmas season. So is it is it okay for me to have this Christmas doormat with a truck and a tree on it? Yes, that is a good gift for my savior. It's a good gift to have Christmas trees and matching jammies and build gingerbread houses and go to all the school plays and sing all the carols and walk down all the streets with silver bells. Like those those are good gifts and they're rooted in centuries of history and and they're they're things that can help us to just draw together and enjoy one another. But it's not where we put our hope. Just like we don't put our hope in our marriages or our degrees or our careers or our finances or our self-sufficiency, we don't put our hope in this Christmas season. We put our hope in Christ, in the newborn King. Oh, come let us adore Him. May we worship that King. May we remember in the midst of all the wonderful movies, in the midst of all the sweet Advent traditions, may we remember, may, may we put all of our hope in our true deliverer. So friends, as I walk across the threshold every day and step on my doormat, I just want to be reminded that there are so many fun, sweet gifts of this season, but Lord, protect me from putting my hope in them. Help those things to just remind me that there is a real deliverer and he has already come and he's coming again. And his name is Jesus. Friends, my prayer for you and for me is that we will really draw near to him, that we'll pull back from the chaos, that we'll say no when we need to, that we'll say yes when it's fun, that we'll serve others, that as we honor Jesus for his birthday, we will walk in his footsteps. We will, we will lay down ourselves for his glory, for the sake of others. I hope that you have a wonderful December and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now. Take care.